Hello, people of Earth, and welcome to Good Humans. My name's Josh, and this is a podcast about exploring better ways to be human. Um, I'm excited to get into this week's episode. I think it's going to be helpful. Uh, it definitely has been for me, um, as I've thought through and uh, sort of like processed all of this. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, we're back. We're back at it. Um, I'm back at the desk here, um, enjoying an old-fashioned, uh, as per usual, uh, among all my nerdy things, um, and I'm a, I'm a happy camper. A uh, little peek behind the scenes, I actually tried um, to sit down and record this episode uh, last, no, two nights ago, um, and uh, got everything ready, um, you know, set everything up, got all the sound equipment already, um, and just couldn't do it. Um, started a few times, had to stop, uh, had to keep going back and restarting and just wasn't happy with how it sounded and how things were flowing and just couldn't really concentrate and all kinds of things. So, um, yeah, so a little bit discouraging, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully things are better tonight. Um, I actually blame, so, uh, a couple nights ago, I tried to, uh, I was going to switch, I, you know, I thought I'm going to switch it up. Um, I had a, uh, there's a local brewery here, um, uh, in our area, uh, uh, and, uh, called Three Floyds and they have a, uh, an IPA that's really, really good. Um, it's hard to come by cause it's so popular. Uh, it's called zombie dust. Uh, and my lovely wife, Cecilia, um, went out and got a six pack of those. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to switch it up. Uh, and I'm going to drink a beer while I'm podcasting instead of an old fashioned or whiskey like I normally do. Um, and everything fell apart. So I blame the beer. Um, but we're back on track. Uh, I have an old fashioned in front of me. Um, there it is. And, uh, so yeah, we're back on track. Things are going to be good, um, this evening, hopefully fingers crossed. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know why I shared all that. Um, but you're welcome. Um, so, uh, before we get into this week's episode, um, I just want to say a couple things. First of all, um, I don't say this enough, so thank you, um, everybody that's listening. I, um, again, like as, as I have conversations with, uh, with some of you that have listened to the podcast, um, whether it's in person, uh, or, you know, by you reaching out on Facebook or, or email or whatever the case may be, um, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know what I expect because I record these and put these out on the internet for people to hear. Um, that's kind of the point, but um, it's it always sort of blows my mind that people actually do uh, listen and not only listen, but like are engaging with the content um, and uh, want to discuss it and talk about it. Um, that's extremely humbling, um, and I'm just I'm very very grateful uh, that you guys would listen. So thank you for listening. Um, secondly. Um, I have some cool things that I'm working on. Um, I can't say exactly what they are yet. Um, but, uh, I've been, I've been putting a lot of thought into, um, like we, I, I think we talk about a lot of, uh, very, uh, useful things here on the podcast. Um, and, and very productive things here on the podcast. Uh, at least that's the hope. Um, whether it's just me or, uh, whether I have a guest on or whatever the case may be. Um, and so hopefully that's helpful and hopefully they are things that you can sort of take uh, to the real world and, and use um, in your everyday. Um, that's the hope. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about uh, talk for actually, 
unintentionally, this actually ties into um, the episode uh, today, but um, I've been thinking a lot about talk versus um, uh, actually taking action and, and putting action behind your feelings and your uh, your theories and priorities and, and whatever the case may be. So um, I, uh, I've been tossing around a few ideas um, for how uh, we as a community, um, however great or small, uh, can sort of, of do that. So um, I, I, w- I would like to give um, our community uh, opportunities to take action, um, to be better humans, uh, to do uh, you know some good in the world and, and take part in, um, as we've said, take part in the ongoing creation of the world and uh, for the better. So um, stay tuned. Um, I'm kind of kicking around some ideas um, and I will, uh, I will be ready to reveal those soon, hopefully. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, so that being said, uh, let's get into tonight's episode. Um, I've decided to call this one criticism is half the battle. Um, and, uh, like I always say, hopefully that, that title will make sense to you at some point, um, in the podcast here. Um, actually I had a hard time titling this one, so, um, hopefully that'll make sense. Um, so, uh, just a little bit of background here, um, sort of why this has been on my mind. Uh, I, um, as some of you may know, if you listen to the podcast, I listen to, uh, Rob Bell's podcast quite a bit. It's called the Robcast. Um, not sponsored, although we should be, uh, cause I, I talk about it enough, but, um, he had, uh, Josh Radner on his podcast, um, a few weeks ago, Josh Radner. If, if you're not familiar with who that is, um, you probably know him from how I met your mother. He's Ted on how I met your mother. Um, he is currently doing some writing and directing work. Uh, I think he's on a, a TV show, um, currently, um, but, uh, he's a brilliant, brilliant person. Um, and, uh, he and, uh, he and Rob are friends. So, um, just a few weeks ago he was on Rob's podcast and what he did was he brought uh, a bunch of his favorite quotes to the podcast. Um, and he just sort of read through them, uh, on a list and he and Rob talked, uh, talked about them and, um, it was a really, really good episode. It's, it's one of those episodes that, uh, that's, it's very eclectic. Um, they talked about a lot of different topics, but it was really good. But one of the one of the quotes that he shared, um, actually two quotes that he shared right at the beginning of the episode that really caught me, um, and I, I sort of just dwelled on them for the rest of the episode, so I didn't hear much else that they said. But um, the first, uh, it's it's commonly accepted that it, that it's a it's a Chinese proverb. Um, basically, nobody really knows where this came from, but it's commonly accepted that it's an old Chinese proverb, as cliche as that sounds. Um, and it is uh, it is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Um, which I thought, you know, that's, that's great. That, that definitely sounds like it could be an old Chinese proverb. Um, and then he shared this one, uh, by Richard Rohr, um, who, if you're not familiar with Richard Rohr's work, um, I, there's no way that I can summarize him or all of his work, uh, here, uh, in the amount of time that I have, but, um, definitely check him out. Richard, uh, last name Rohr, R-O-H-R. Um, his, uh, his writings, um, and, uh, even his, uh, a lot of the lectures that he's given, um, that are available on audio, um, are tremendous. Richard Rohr, um, did a lot of work, uh, with the, the idea of the hero's journey, um, which you may have heard of, um, and, and just a lot of other things, a lot of, uh, theological, um, theory and philosophy and, 
uh, just a, a brilliant, brilliant man. Um, but so this quote is from him. Uh, it's another quote that Josh Radner shared on that uh, uh, episode. Um, so Richard Rohr said, uh, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. The best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. Um, and so those two, like those two were super early on in that episode. And I, both of those just sort of jumped out at me, uh, and really stuck with me. And I've sort of been dwelling on both of those since. And I think part of it is probably because of, uh, the climate that we're in. Um, if you hop on social media, you don't have to be there long before you see somebody criticizing someone or something, um, yeah, you know, media outlets are doing it all the time. Uh, you know, news and radio and <clears throat> even podcasts. Like it, it's just it's all over the place. Um, and so the the thing that I always, especially on Facebook, Facebook is so. Um, I mean, anyone, any idiot can have a Facebook, um, which is the the blessing and the curse of social media. But um, so I, I think this often on Facebook, I think mostly on, on social media, but just the idea that anybody, because anybody can have one and anybody can comment, um, just everybody's playing armchair, whatever, you know, armchair quarterback, armchair politician, uh, armchair president, um, armchair diplomat, whatever the case may be. And everybody just, you know, has their opinion about how badly somebody is handling a situation or, uh, how badly an athlete performed or how badly an artist, you know, screwed up a song or just whatever it is. Um, and the thing I think often, and I'm guilty of it myself, I'm not excluding myself at all, but the thing I think often is maybe then, then do it better. I like, if you have, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying, criticizing is always bad. We're going to get into some of this, but I'm not saying criticizing is always bad, but, um, because often people criticize things that they, they truly love. Um, I am, uh, again, in case, uh, you know, you're new or, um, just haven't gathered it yet. I'm a huge fan of comic books, um, all things nerdy. Uh, and so that's nerdy, not dirty. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it uh, Star Wars movies and, and Marvel movies and, and DC movies, um, there are things that from time to time I, I will be extremely critical of, and it's not because I hate these things or, um, I wish they just didn't exist. It's because I, I really love these things. Um, and I want them to be as good as possible. And when they're not, um, it's both disappointing and also a little frustrating. And so uh, yeah, I have criticisms of a lot of things and usually people criticize things that they deeply care about. And so, you know, when we see people criticizing politicians or diplomats or artists or athletes, it's not because they're just trying to be an asshole. It's, it's because they probably genuinely care, um, about the subject matter or the sport or whatever the case may be. But, um, often it's so, uh, it's, it's just, it's laughable. Um, you know, when you see, uh, a, a very unathletically built man, um, maybe like myself, uh, on Facebook criticizing, you know, the performance of a professional athlete that has been playing the sport he's playing or she's playing probably since, you know, they were children here. She was children, a child, he or she was children. Nice. Um, 
and you know probably knows more about this sport than than I or you know any regular person ever would know. Um, and yet we hop on on social media or wherever, um, or you know we're talking to our friends in an everyday conversation, and, and we know all the ways that they screwed up and you know just mess up the whole game and and threw everything off for all the fans and players and whatever. Um, and I just so often it's just it, I usually don't dwell on it a ton, but usually it at least crosses my mind then do it better. Uh, why, why waste your time? Literally waste your time. It takes, you know, depending on how fast you type, it takes, you know, a few minutes at least to type a comment on Facebook. And, um, and also depending on how long winded you are. Uh, and maybe in that time you could, you could spend that time thinking of a way to do it better. Um, and I, I understand most often that's not going to happen. Most of us are not going to be politicians and most of us are not going to be athletes, um, or artists or whatever the case may be. Um, but that's, so that's, that's sort of the idea, um, of the episode is, you know, there's, uh, there's only so far criticism gets us before, um, it just, it, it's shallow and, and useless and, and kind of, uh, a waste of time. Um, so I, I wrote down a couple definitions here, um, that I want to share before we kind of hop in. So, um, we've all heard the term probably, uh, constructive criticism. Um, so I just, I wanted to break both of those words down and just sort of define both of those words so that we know what that means, um, and sort of move on from there. So first the word constructive adjective, helping to improve, promoting further development or advancement. Um, so that's constructive, helping to improve, promoting further development or advancement. Uh, and then criticism, noun, the act of passing judgment as to the merits of anything. Um, and boy, do we see that a ton. Uh, so then when you put them together, it's it's the idea that you can pass judgment as to the merits of anything, but in a constructive way, helping with the idea uh, or spirit of helping something or someone to improve or promoting its further development by pointing out its shortcomings, um, which is fine. Um, so, you know, I like probably most, if not everyone that listens to this podcast, I work a job. Um, and at my job, I, I do my best to appreciate and look for constructive criticism because it's only going to help me be better. But the only way it's going to help me be better is if I really take it to heart and practice it. Uh, so the constructive criticism only goes so far. Um, really at the end of the day, it's still only pointing out where I am at fault or where I could be better. Um, and it is not, uh, it's not going to make me better if I don't really take it to heart and take action. Um, so it's still kind of only a half measure. It's still not the whole thing. It's, it's a start. Um, but if that's all that ever happens, if I never take that to heart or never do anything about it, um, then it's, it really was just a waste of time, um, for whomever was, was trying to help me by giving that to me. So, um, there is nothing, uh, so I, I wrote this down. I, so I've discovered, um, I don't know if you can hear this, that's actual pages in a notebook. I, um, I discovered, uh, after the first couple of these, I, I, I did the first one, I think, um, 
on a, a Google Doc uh, on my computer. So I was actually looking at my computer screen uh, while recording the episode, and that was fine. Didn't work great, at least for me. Um, I did the the next couple on uh, on my iPad um, on a Google Doc, and I've discovered that um, going analog uh, and like writing this down and actually like having to manually uh, put ink to paper um, and uh, and write all this stuff down helps me both to kind of process it. Um, there's I don't know there's something for, for me at least there's something uh, almost cathartic um, and uh, and uh, dare I say almost spiritual about the act of actually writing something down. Um, as the thoughts are sort of coming through my brain, um, it, it just, it's super helpful, at least for me. So, um, so, uh, I don't know why I shared that either, but there you go. Um, so I wrote this down. There's nothing productive about criticism alone. It is destructive by nature. Um, which I, I think we can all probably agree is true. Um, even in the case of constructive criticism, um, which sounds like the opposite of destructive, um, it really is. It's destructive by nature. Criticism, any sort of criticism, uh, by nature is destructive. It's it's intended to um, stop something, um, to end something, to annihilate something, eliminate something, um, with the hopes. It, it, if it's constructive criticism, it's the idea that we're hoping to eliminate something with the hopes that whomever we're giving that to will replace it with better. Um, better actions, better you know, quality work, whatever the case may be. Um, so if criticism is destructive by nature, uh, then why do we do it? Um, that's the, the logical next question, right? Um, so a few things. Uh, number one, it's enjoyable. Um, and don't act like it's not. Um, it is. Uh hopping on Facebook and just ripping apart. Um, so I'm, I'm talking about sports a lot cause I think it applies here, but I'm not a big sports guy. So forgive me if I sound, um, uninformed about sports. I'm not a big sports guy, but I think it applies. So if we're hopping on Facebook or social media or wherever, and we're just ripping apart the pitcher or the quarterback or the whatever athlete, uh, that played in the game, you know, whatever day, um, we're just ripping apart their performance and we're saying, Oh, like he, you know, five fumbles. Like, how is that? Like, how is that possible? You get paid millions of dollars or like, you know, like eight walks in a game or, you know, like, uh, you know, missed three throws at first base or, you know, whatever the case may be, like batting average is, you know, whatever the case. Um, it's fun. It's so much fun to, to again, armchair quarterback, so to speak. And, say, you know, I, I think this person failed, um, at this. And I, I can't believe this person is this bad at this. I can't believe the president did this. I can't believe my boss did this because it's fun. It is fun. Let's just all admit, um, I'm admitting I'm confessing it's fun because usually that is an attempt to raise our perceived value in the eyes of others by lowering the perceived value of others. So, uh, and, and if we're honest, most of the time, this isn't even based in fact. Um, most of the time we really don't know what we're talking about when we're criticizing that athlete or that diplomat or the president or, uh, some writer or celebrity or artist or whatever the case, 
usually we really don't know what we're talking about because we're not in that situation. We don't have experience in that profession or uh, in that circumstance. And so we're just spouting off at the mouth from our perspective, which is woefully uninformed. Um, but what this is doing, what we're doing again, if we're just, if we're honest, can we all take a second and be honest with each other? Nobody knows. It's just you. You don't have to email me or send me a message and tell me if this is true or not. It's just you. So do yourself the favor of just for two seconds being honest with yourself. Let's admit that probably the reason we enjoy this so much is because when we're in that group of friends criticizing whoever it may be, we, for a few brief moments, look like we just know so much and the way we look like we know so much is that we are tearing down somebody who is supposed to be a professional or supposed to be highly intelligent or supposed to be perfect. You know, this, you know, the celebrity that, you know, said, oh, can you believe Kanye said what he said on Twitter? Um, by the way, yes, I can. Who, why are we still surprised um, at what that man is saying on Twitter? But um, for a few brief moments, we see, I just did it for a few brief moments. We, we feel like other people think we just know so much and we're so much better than whomever we're criticizing because we are purposely lowering that person's value in the eyes of others so that we can increase our own. And to go along with that, the only people this works on is people who are also doing the same thing. It's true. The only people this works on are people who are also doing the same thing. Think about it. Um, you know, if I if I am just tearing that quarterback apart or, or I'm tearing Kanye West apart or I'm tearing the president apart uh, and, you know, I'm in a group of people or I'm talking to one or two people and the other person is, oh, yeah, man. Uh, and and can you believe piggybacking on that or just nodding along or, you know, whatever the case may be, engaging in that conversation. Usually the only people this works on are people that are also doing the same thing. So um, number one, we do it because it's enjoyable and because um, by enjoyable, I mean, because we're, we're lowering the perceived value of other people um, in an effort to raise our own value, perceived value in the eyes of others. Um, number two, it's easy. It's so easy. Like I said before, any idiot can have a Facebook, any idiot can have an Instagram, you know, we can log onto Reddit. We can go all sorts of places, all sorts of forums. Um, and we can just say whatever we want. We can, you know, have conversation. We can call up a friend. We can text whomever we want to. We can talk to a stranger in line at the grocery store. Um, it's just, it's so easy to say whatever we would like to say. And it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes-esque observational skills to see where failings or issues lie with any given situation or process or person or whatever. So it's, it's just, it's really easy. It's easy to see where a failing might be. It's easy. Okay. When you're uh, first class, USPS package was supposed to be delivered on Friday 
and it gets delayed because somebody screwed up somewhere along the line and it's just sitting at the post office and then it sits all day Saturday and then it's not going to get delivered on Sunday. So then you got to wait till Monday. It's really easy for me who has mailed things before and has received things in the mail before to say, this is not how this is supposed to work. And why didn't that person just X, Y, Z? It's really easy to say in hindsight is 2020, um, which most of us, when we're in these situations, we're criticizing, have, we have that benefit. Um, So it's really easy to say, you know, about our boss as well in this circumstance, he or she should have done this. um, And it would have worked out this way, but they didn't, they did it this way, which is what they always do. Um, Or, you know, this process is bad and I I just don't understand, uh, you know, why we do it this way or why anybody does it this way or, you know, whatever, you know, five interceptions, like who would do that? You know, couldn't he see that, you know, it was, you know, double coverage and blah, 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 whatever. Um, and it's, it's just, it's easy. It's not hard. Um, so as an example, so I, I used to manage uh, a hotel, um, in another life and, uh, we had, um, as, as part of our management training and as like sort of an ongoing, uh, just sort of company culture thing, um, we had this book, uh, that they would give us and it was, uh, management theories. Um, and they were developed by, um, our VPs and our, our executives, um, in the company. Um, and so it was different management theories and sort of just, uh, frameworks, um, to think about management. Most of them were really good. Um, I still use a lot of those philosophies, um, today, um, in all sorts of situations. So, um, I learned a lot from that, but we had one in particular in that book. It was called the poop theory, um, which sounds crazy, but, um, so here's the idea of the poop theory. Um, so, you know, in a, in a hotel situation, obviously like we want, uh, everything to be pristine, just a great, uh, experience for the customer, the guest start to finish. So from the time they walk in the door, we want them to be greeted with a very clean, uh, welcoming lobby, uh, you know, just fresh smelling, pleasant faces, pleasant people. Um, you know, nothing is out of place or dirty or, you know, chaotic. Um, we just want the whole thing start to finish from when they check in to when they check out to be, you know, just a wonderful experience. Uh, and then hopefully, you know, they tell their friends, Hey, I stayed, you know, here and it was great. Um, so the poop theory says that if there is a poop on the floor of your lobby, just right in the middle of everything, and guests walk in, what's the first thing they're going to notice? They're going to notice that there's a poop on the floor. And that is, it's just, it's, that can't be there. That's not supposed to be there. And so that's the first thing they're going to notice. And it's, it's going to be crazy to them that you have a poop on the floor. And, you know, so then they say to the, to the person that's working the desk, Hey, were you aware that you have a poop on the floor? And the person at the desk says, oh, yeah, it's been there for years. The guest is not going to understand why it's been there for years and why it hasn't been cleaned up. All they're going to understand is there's a poop on the floor and I don't feel like that should be there. But if you work at that hotel every day, the first day you come in and see that, you might think, oh, that's that's crazy. I can't believe that's there. Somebody should do something about that. And then you walk in the next day and you say, oh, that's still there. Oh, that's crazy. I thought somebody would do something about that. And then the next day it becomes a little less shocking. And the next day it becomes a little less shocking until 
at some point you just that's it's part of the landscape of the hotel. It's just there and you walk by it every day and you think, oh, in the back of your mind, you know, you think, oh, I know that's a problem, but, you know, it's it's there. It's been there forever. You just sort of get used to it. And so the idea was that when new people come in, whether it's employees or guests, new people, fresh eyes will notice things that people who have been there for a long time will not notice. Um, and so the input is valuable. And so the idea was to try and put yourself in the shoes of a new person <clears throat> every time you would walk into your hotel so that you would notice things uh, that needed to be improved on or fixed or whatever the case may be. But it's really easy for that guest to walk in and say, oh, there's a there's a poop on the floor and that shouldn't be there. But what's not necessarily easy is um, now in the case of a poop on the floor, that is easy. You clean it up. Um, it may be unpleasant, but, uh, that's a simple solution, but what's not always easy is, um, coming up with a solution, uh, to the problem. Um, so to take this out of the theoretical and bring it into the real life, um, Cecilia, my wife and I just took a trip, uh, uh, almost a month ago. Now we got back. Um, but we took a trip to Europe. Uh, we were, gone for two weeks. It was really, really beautiful and very nice. Um, very relaxing. Um, we spent a few days in Paris and then we spent most of our time in Italy, um, in Rome, Sorrento and Florence. Um, just beautiful people, amazing food. Um, didn't want to come back, but here we are. Uh, so we, um, but we flew into and out of Paris, uh, the Paris airport. Um, and so flying in wasn't too bad. Um, and you know, we did our thing and it was fine. Um, and then on the way back, um, you know, we, we traveled back to Paris and then, uh, took a very early morning shuttle to the airport. We arrived probably, I'm not exaggerating when I say probably three and a half or four hours early for our flight. Um, uh, just because that's the way the shuttle worked out and we just, we wanted to make sure we were there in time anyway, um, to get back home. Um, it's bad news if you miss, an international flight. So, um, we were there and so we walked in and they weren't even, um, ready to call us for our, our flight yet because we were there so early. So we, you know, got some food and, and whatnot. But then when it came time, it was still like two hours before our flight, but it came time for us to be able to line up, um, and sort of check our bags and go through the process of, uh, making sure that, you know, we knew which gate we were going to and all that. So we walk up, um, and I have a picture of it, um, Maybe I could share it on uh, on the Facebook page um, when I post this episode. But uh, it was the long. I just I don't know how to explain this line. It was the longest line I've ever seen in an airport for anything, um, and like it reminded me of the type of line you would see on opening day for a really really cool ride at like Six Flags. Um, it was just packed. Uh, the craziest line I've ever seen at an airport. And people had been standing in line for so long that people were getting called, like they were coming through the line. It was just, it was shoulder, shoulder packed, very uncomfortable. Um, I hate situations like that, but, um, you know, got to do it. So, uh, we're standing in line, but it was, they had people had been standing in line for so long that, that, uh, employees of, um, the, the airline were coming into the line 
and asking people what their destination was because people's flights were literally 10, 20 minutes away from departing. And these people still hadn't even checked their bags yet because the line was so long. Um, and so we're just like, you know, everybody in line is, is sort of standing there and commiserate, commiserating together, you know, and we're, we sort of figured out like who's going where and what everybody's destination was because they came through the line so many times and asked this. Um, so, you know, we kind of found our, our destination buddies and, you know, sort of figured out like where we were supposed to go. And they were like, they, it was a single file line situation, but they were trying to make two lines, um, so that they could like get people that had to depart soon through the line quicker. Um, and then the self-service kiosks weren't working, um, to put your own bag tags and, and boarding passes. And it was just, it was a nightmare. The whole thing was a nightmare. Um, and so in that situation, all I could think of were criticisms of their process and how they were handling the situation and how, you know, people were coming so close to missing their flights because they had been sitting in line for two, three, four hours, um, which is crazy at an airport. And uh, it was really, really easy to see this is not how things should be at an airport. I've never seen it like that before. Um, and this is not how this should work at an airport. I think that's pretty easy to gather. Again, that doesn't take Sherlock Holmes-esque you know, detective skills to figure out. So that was easy. And believe me, I had ton, plenty of criticisms. We both did. All of us did in line. Um, some more than others. And uh, that was easy. What is not easy, because I've never worked for an airline, I've never tried to figure out a situation where all the self-service kiosks are down and people are just backed up and everybody's frustrated and trying to get to where they're going and people's flights are about to leave. And so you're trying to make sure that they get on their flights and don't miss their flights and all this stuff. I've never been in that situation. So I have no ideas for how to make that process better. All I know is that's a bad process. Um, so that's, that's sort of what we're talking about here. It's, it's really easy to see where the faults are um, and what the problems are, but it's, it's not always as easy to uh, figure out what the solution is. Um, Next, it feels productive. This goes along, I think, with it being fun, enjoyable. It feels productive. Um, going back to the idea of constructive criticism, that feels productive. And if it's taken to heart and acted upon, it can be productive. But when we, so in those situations, when we do see actual issues or problems, recognizing those issues or problems is only the beginning of productivity. But if it stops there, it's actually only destructive. So in, you know, in that situation in the airport, it feels really productive to me to be like, Hey, this is bad process. Can some employee or manager or whomever please understand and recognize that this is bad. This is not working. This is a bad process or at work. We may, 100% all agree that something is, is not working or is a bad process, but it's far more challenging to come up with a better process or a fix or a solution. Um, and so if it, if it, if that's where it stops, if we say, Hey, I can recognize that this is a bad process and that's all I got. Um, that is only destructive. 
and again, I, I'm not saying it's always, um, you're not a terrible person for, for criticizing or, or for critiquing. And often, again, it's because we genuinely care about the thing that we're criticizing. I genuinely cared in that moment about making sure that I got home, um, from Europe. I wanted to make sure that I was going to get home. I genuinely cared about this situation. I had a vested interest in whether or not that process was working. And so I was criticizing it, but I did not have a solution. And so if it stops at the criticism and doesn't go any further, um, whether because we're not equipped to come up with a solution in that situation, or because we just are lazy or don't care to come up with a solution in that situation. It is only destructive. Um, one more story here. So, um, again, if you've listened to the podcast, you, you may know some of this already. Um, or maybe you don't, um, either way, uh, I was, I was raised, um, in a very, very conservative, uh, Christian home, um, in a, in a, what is not an exaggeration to call a cult. Um, sorry to anyone that is still in it or still practices or, or whatever the case may be. Um, this is not an attack on the people that are in that cult still. Um, but I, it, I don't think it's an exaggeration to call it a cult. Um, but it's, uh, it's called independent fundamental Baptists. Um, it's very, very right wing, uh, very conservative, ultra conservative, very, um, literal, uh, Bible translation, um, Christian Baptist, uh, cult. And so, um, it's very strict, um, very restricting as well. Very, uh, oppressive and repressive. Um, so that's, that's the environment I grew up in. And so, um, in this environment, there, there were a few huge churches, um, that were part of this movement. Um, one of them being in Hammond, um, and, uh, Hammond, Indiana. So, uh, that's where I and my family, um, were attending, uh, for, you know, since the time I was, uh, a senior in high school all the way up until I was in my mid twenties. Um, and so, you know, like I, I graduated from high school, I went to college for a while. And, um, so I, I'm in my mid twenties and I'm still going to this church. And at this point I'm going voluntarily, um, I, I still feel like I'm obligated to go because that's the nature of, of these types of cults. I, I'm basically ostracized and disowned if I don't go, but, um, I, I, I am an adult at this point. So I do have control over whether I actually drive myself to church or not. Um, three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. And I remember very vividly, I was actually just talking about this with my wife and some friends. Um, I remember very vividly, um, one Wednesday night when, uh, I had driven to church and I'd, I'd been feeling this way for a while, but it, it all sort of came to a head, um, this particular Wednesday night. Um, so I, I drove myself to church. Um, I ended up sitting alone cause I got there just a little bit late. Um, and sat through, uh, the, the sermon. And I remember just the whole time, the whole sermon, just getting more and more angry, um, and just furious and just feeling like I wanted to leave, but then also feeling guilty for wanting to leave because I was at church. That's where I was supposed to be. Um, and if I was feeling angry or upset about what was being preached, it was a problem with me probably, and not with what was being preached. Um, because that's, again, that's the way I'd been raised, um, and the way we had been taught to think. 
Um, it can't be the pastor. It's got to be you um, because the pastor is only saying what God wants him to say. Um, and I just, I remember having this moment, um, during the sermon, there, there was a point where I just, I sort of like tuned it out and I, I don't even remember what the rest of it was at this point. I don't even remember what the rest of the sermon or what the sermon was about, um, in its entirety. Um, I just remember at, at one point I, I wasn't even hearing what he was preaching about anymore. And I just remembered thinking, I have been, have walked out of church furious for as long as I can remember in, in like the recent like months or maybe even year or two. Um, and it was true. I had, and I hadn't really stopped to think about it until that moment. So then, um, church was over. Um, I walked out and I got in my car and I remember again, because of the, it's, it's hard to describe, um, the experience of being in a cult unless somebody has been in it, but there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of, uh, manipulation and, and sort of mind molding that happens from a very early age. Um, and so I had all this, all these conflicting feelings, um, going on. And I, I just remember like getting into my car, um, it was all I could do to get to my car. And so I, I remember getting in my car and just breaking down sobbing and I couldn't really figure out why I couldn't, I couldn't figure out if it was because, um, I felt guilty because I was angry at the, at the pastor, um, and at what was being talked about at church, or if I was upset that church was making me feel this way. Um, or if I was just confused about all of it, I, I couldn't really figure out why I was sobbing, but I remember sitting there sobbing. And then after a few minutes of that, I remember having this thought, if this is God, I don't want any part of it. Um, and I, like, I, I sort of shocked myself with that thought, um, because I had never allowed myself to think that way before. Um, but for some reason this was just sort of a a snapping point for me. And so I remember having that thought. And then after I, I, like, after that thought sort of just occurred to me in my head, um, I, it just immediately, I, I stopped sobbing and I, I remember just sort of thinking, yeah, yeah. Like if this is, if this is it, if this is the almighty being that created the universe and if this is what my life is going to be serving that being, then no, I'm, I want no part of it. I'm out. Um, and so I, I did, I left, um, for a very long time. I didn't go back to church for years. Um, didn't want any part of it. Um, and just sort of checked out of the whole idea of, God, religion, the whole thing. Um, and, and spent a few years that way and, uh, eventually got back into it. Um, I found, uh, a brilliant, wonderful man, um, uh, who, um, was, was very caring, um, very understanding. One of the best men I know, um, and, and went to his church for a long time and still attend there, um, from time to time. Um, although I'm, I'm sort of back in a a space where, uh, I don't really know what I think about all of it. Um, but at least it's, uh, it's not making me angry, uh, anymore, but all that to say, um, 
looking back on it, what was happening was the pastor at the time was spending all of his time telling everyone in his congregation, all the people that drove there voluntarily sat down voluntarily and were listening to him speak voluntarily. He was spending all of his time telling everyone in that building how terrible they were and all the ways they were wrong and all the ways they'd never live up to God's expectations or the the Bible or his or whatever and all the ways we were failing and then he would leave it there and then he would send us home and we were just supposed to be humble and gracious enough to take that as constructive criticism and try to be better but the problem was we were never being given a path to being better we were never being given solutions we were never being given hope it was just here's all the reasons you're terrible and you're a hopeless case and here's all the reasons you're failing and goodbye now um and there was never any hope or there was never any path forward provided and um and i I, looking back on it i i can understand now that that's i think that's why i was leaving furious every single time uh because who who would enjoy that anyway um but on top of that fine tell me how i'm failing you know just so bringing it back to maybe work or something like that sure tell me tell me where i have shortcomings tell me where i'm failing it will sting it always does if if we're honest um but sure fine tell me those things but then please tell me how you think i can improve that let's let's talk about ways to be better instead of just leaving it there um and so it was just it it's really discouraging um and it's it's depressing and it's it, it that it's purely destructive um at that point and there's a lot of reasons um that that was happening i i mean cults exist on on uh fear and and creating in the minds of their followers um a a uh dependence um and so that was all part of that but um it was looking back on it that's what was happening is is we were we were being told all the problems um without being offered any solutions um so it feels productive criticism feels productive um all that to say um and as gi joe would say knowing is half the battle um but it's only half um so all this to say instead of being so quick to point out the issues and you know having our weekly or daily bitch session with our friends uh or on social media or wherever we're venting all of that and look it's not it's not always wrong sometimes you just need to vent and um i was just talking about this at work uh with one of my coworkers. but i mean we're human and you know we shouldn't feel the need to apologize to be human we are fully human um so why not be all of that uh so sometimes you just need to you know vent and and be human and just get it all out from time to time but instead of getting into the habit of just leaving it there and just 
for whatever reason, you know, whether we are enjoying it or whether we feel like we're doing something productive by, by just spewing criticism all the time, um, or whether it's just, it's low hanging fruit and it's super easy to do. Maybe instead of doing that and, and making that our habit and leaving it there, maybe we could observe problems or issues or failings and take the time to make a plan and do it better. However small or elementary or insignificant it may seem. Um, so maybe instead of making our habit, maybe instead of criticizing and leaving it at criticism, we could figure out a way to do it better. In our attempts to lower others' value, we lower our own in our own minds. Um, so going going back to this idea that, you know, one of the reasons that we do this is by lowering somebody else's value, perceived value, we're raising our own in the eyes of others. While that may be true, and again, while that only works on people who are also doing the same thing, what we're also doing at the same time is we are lowering our own value in our own mind. So let me explain what I mean by that. When I am constantly criticizing another person um, and my goal here is to make myself look like I'm so much smarter or I know so much more uh, by tearing this other person down. So I'm lowering their value, perceived value um, to others. And in doing so, I'm attempting to raise my own value, perceived value in the eyes of others. What I'm, While that may be working, among people who are trying to do the same thing, what I'm also doing at the same time is I'm lowering my own value to myself because I'm admitting to myself that I don't believe in myself enough to imagine that I could do it better. I'm not allowing myself the, um, the self-confidence or the, the imagination to think okay, I see this is a problem. What if I could solve this? I'm, I'm not even allowing myself to take that train of thought because I am, I'm s- deliberately stopping way before that. And I'm, I'm just playing the smoke and mirrors game. When really, if, if, if I wanted or, or allowed myself to have some imagination and and some self confidence, and really, if I if I believed in myself and I my value was high enough in my own mind, while we're on this, if I did value myself and if my own self worth was healthy, I wouldn't feel the need to do this in the first place. But, um, you know, if if my self worth was in a healthy place, then I maybe I would allow myself to have the imagination to think, uh, you know this is a problem, but maybe I could, maybe I can come up with a better way to do this. Um, but instead we're, we're choosing to play the smoke and mirrors game and try to, to create the, the illusion of self-worth, um, by lowering somebody else's perceived value. There is, um, so I wrote this down to you. There is a proportionate decrease in our own self-worth when we try to raise our self-worth in other people's eyes by destroying others. If others, here's why. If others can be that worthless, 
then why not us? And I think that's really what it comes down to. When we're dehumanizing other people so much, how how does it make sense that we don't expect somebody is doing that to us? And if we can really convince other people that so-and-so is that worthless or that idiotic or that crazy or that ignorable and dismissible, if humans, if human worth is really that expendable, then that has to be unilateral. And so that has to apply to us. So if, if others can be that worthless, if we can convince ourselves and other people that other people are that worthless, then that would have to apply to us as well. And that goes back to us lowering our own self-worth in our own estimation. And beyond that, if everybody thought this way, what a sad, backwards, horrible, dreary, depressing world. Um, if if everyone just... If, if there were no innovators, if there were no Steve Jobs, and if there were no Bill Gates, and if there were no Mark Zuckerbergs... Um, <laughs> actually... <laughs> in light of recent events, love him or hate him. But, um, you know, if, if there were not these great, you know, Socrates and Plato and, and just all these great minds, if there were not these great minds who dared to imagine that their self-worth was innate and based on their own, you know, estimation of, the, of themselves and their own actions. And so then from that place, they could then, venture into uncharted territory and, and take on all kinds of problems and try to come up with solutions and ideas and sort of think beyond the, you know, the pedestrian, just boring, easy, lazy, you know, criticisms and negativity. If there were not these people, I, we, you wouldn't be listening to this right now. Um, and I wouldn't be able to, to share any of this with you. And, you know, we wouldn't have social media where all of us can go and bitch all day long if we want. Um, it would just, it would, it would just be so sad. It'd be a, so, uh, such a sad world. Uh, if everybody thought this way, um, I, one more quote that I have written down here, um, surprise, surprise. It's from Rob Bell. Um, and I don't remember if I read this in a book. I think I read this in one of his books. I don't remember which one probably, you know what? No, I'm pretty sure it was on his podcast, actually. Um, regardless, uh, Rob said, you cannot solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it. Um, and I, I think that's really what a lot of this comes down to. A lot of times society operates on this collective consciousness. And most of us, for most of the time, are happy to just flow with that because it's easy. It's familiar. Um, and it doesn't, it's not uncomfortable. It doesn't take, uh, you, you know, we, we're not taking the risk of, of being ridiculed or failing if we step outside of that. So it's just, it's very easy to flow with that and just stay within that. Um, however, when there are problems, um, when a process is breaking down, when something's not working, that problem cannot be solved by the same consciousness that created it. What happens is if we're trying to use the same consciousness that created that problem, we are going to fall short and all, all we'll be doing is taking it as far as criticism. We recognize that there's a problem 
and that's where it stops. That poop is going to stay on the floor and nobody's going to clean it up. And somebody new may come along and say, oh, this is a problem. Uh, but if we're, if we're using the same consciousness to solve that problem as the one that created it, it's never going to be solved. Um, it has to, it has to take somebody daring to imagine that there is a better way and also daring to imagine that they could be the one, uh, to, to solve that problem. Um, so, uh, to go back to the beginning of, of this episode, um, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better Richard Rohr. Um, so my hope here, um, is, and, and part of what I'm trying to do with this podcast is exactly this. Um, there is so much vitriol and hatred and just awful things that are spewed all day long on social media. So what I'm trying to do here is create a place where instead of spending all of our time on the negativity and the criticism, I'm trying to provide some imagination and a path forward and a way to do it better. And hopefully that's what we're doing. Hopefully that's the community we're creating. Um, and hopefully that's, that's what these episodes are, uh, is, helpful. Um, but you know, our, our tagline, so to speak is, is exploring better ways to be human. And hopefully that's what we're doing. So, um, this is just, this is what's been on my mind lately. Um, and I hope this has been helpful to you. Um, and, uh, as we, you know, as we sort of live day to day, um, let's, uh, you know, let's recognize when there's problems and then let's, let's recognize when we're recognizing problems and let's dare to believe that our self-worth is such that maybe we could be the person to solve that problem. I, I think it's possible. Um, so let's try it. Um, so yeah, that's, what's been on my mind. Um, and, uh, I hope it's helpful. So, uh, I would love to know what you guys think about this episode or any of the previous episodes, um, that we've released. Um, if you know somebody who is a good human that you think, uh, we should talk to on the podcast and share their story. Um, I'd love to know about that too. So if you want to get a hold of us for any reason and talk about anything, honestly, I would love to talk to you guys. I'd love to know what's on your minds. I always love uh, talking to people about the podcast um, when people reach out, like I said, either in person or, or by email or, or Facebook message or whatever. So here's how you can get a hold of us. Um, we are uh, we do have a website. Um, it's goodhumanspod.com. Goodhumanspod.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash goodhumanspod. Um, and we also have an email address. It is, uh, uh, goodhumanspod at gmail.com. So, um, are you, are you seeing a pattern there? Um, so that's how you can get a hold of us. Um, I actually did just recently start an Instagram, uh, as well for the podcast. So, um, I'll share that soon. Uh, I don't have much on there, uh, right now. And it's actually going to be sort of a, a blend, um, between, uh, a personal Instagram for myself, um, and for the podcast as well. So, 
Um, if you're interested in that, I will share that uh, here in the weeks to come um, after I've, I've got some stuff on there because it's pretty boring and sparse right now. Um, but yeah, reach out. I, I really would love to talk to you guys. Um, if you're really feeling friendly and generous, uh, leave us a rating on iTunes. That would really help. Um, tell us what you think about the podcast. Um, share the podcast with a friend. All that good stuff. That would really, really uh, be helpful. And subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet. Um, that way you get these episodes automatically every time we release one um and you don't have to be like man when he's gonna when's he gonna drop a a new episode uh because you'll know because it'll get delivered right to your phone uh or or however you listen to to podcasts so um we're on all the major ones we're on itunes and and stitcher and google play and uh, we're even on spotify um and you know podbean and all over the place so um find us subscribe uh stay up to date reach out let's talk all that good stuff so um yeah so that's what i got for you guys today um thank you again so much for listening um i hope you guys have a great day night weekend life whatever it is uh and until next time be good to each other